Hello and welcome to the Alberta Advantage. My name is Joel and I'll be hosting today's episode. Joining Team Advantage today is Roberta. Roberta, thanks for joining me here. It's great to be here. I wanted to get together to discuss a little something that happened a few weeks ago, a wildcat strike that happened on Monday, October 26th at 51 different sites at 35 different cities and towns across Alberta. So first of all, Roberta, what is a wildcat strike? A wildcat strike is any strike that happens without the consent or the support of the union leadership. So basically, if the members decide to take strike action and it's not supported by the leadership, then that would be considered a wildcat strike. They usually will happen outside of the normal times for strike action, which would be when a collective agreement has expired um, at the end of a negotiating period. Um, there's usually a very small window within which uh, legal or acceptable strikes can happen. Um, and so wildcats usually happen outside of that framework. So for the most part, those on the picket lines were members of the Alberta Union of Provincial Employees, or AUPE. The number of sites that went out on wildcat in rural Alberta is quite impressive. And I just want to read the actual list of sites. I realize I'm going to be naming Center Alberta. So from the top, and thanks to the Progress Report and Duncan Kinney at Progress Alberta for compiling this list, the South Health Campus in Calgary, the Foothills Hospital in Calgary, Peter Lougheed Hospital in Calgary, Rocky View General Hospital in Calgary, Sheldon Schumer Health Center in Calgary, Alberta Children's Hospital in Calgary, Royal Alexandra Hospital, Edmonton, Glen Rose Rehabilitation Hospital, Edmonton, Alberta Hospital, Edmonton, University of Alberta Hospital, Edmonton, Food Service Center, Edmonton, Northeast Community Health Center, Edmonton, Red Deer Regional Hospital Center, Red Deer, Westlock Healthcare Center in Westlock, Athabasca Healthcare Center in Athabasca, Lethbridge Home Care, Lethbridge, Whitecourt Healthcare Center in Whitecourt, Cold Lake Healthcare Center in Cold Lake, Leduc Community Hospital in Leduc, Westview Health Center in Stony Plain, Fort Saskatchewan Community Hospital in Fort Saskatchewan, High Prairie Health Complex in High Prairie, Slave Lake Healthcare Center in Slave Lake, Northwest Health Center in High Level, Claire's Home General Hospital in Claire's Home, Claire's Home Center for Mental Health and Addictions in Claire's Home, Wataskawin Hospital and Care Center in Wataskawin, Okotoks Home Care in Okotoks, Edmonton Remand Center in Edmonton, Evansburg Health Center in Evansburg, Strathcona Community Hospital in Sherwood Park, Chinook Regional Hospital in Lethbridge, Canmore General Hospital in Canmore, Queen Elizabeth II Hospital in Grand Prairie, Cardston Health Center in Cardston, Pinoca Hospital and Care Center in Pinoca, Centennial Center for Mental Health and Brain Injury, Pinoca, Drumheller Health Center in Drumheller, Peace River Community Health Center in Peace River, Lamont Healthcare Center in Lamont, George McDougall Smoky Lake Health Center in Smoky Lake, St. Therese St. Paul Healthcare Center in St. Paul, Boyle Healthcare Center in Boyle, Elk Point Healthcare Center in Elk Point, Strathmore District Health Services, Strathmore, Northern Lights Regional Health Center in Fort McMurray, Devon General Hospital, Devon, Claire's Home Health Unit and Home Care, Claire's Home, Willow Creek Continuing Care Center in Claire's Home, William C. Kadzow Healthcare Center in Lac La Biche, and Rimby Hospital and Care Center in Rimby. Wow, what heroes. AUP President Guy Smith came out in support of the Wildcat strike early that morning stating that across this province, working people are rising up against Jason Kenney's job-killing policies and are joining the fight in solidarity. This was a decision taken by the members themselves. AUP is a democratic union, and we respect the wishes of our members. I also went to the picket line at the Foothills Hospital in Calgary on the 26th, and here's a bit of what things sounded like there. I'm here in front of Foothills Hospital with Stephen Michaud uh, walking the line. Stephen, welcome to the Alberta Advantage. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Well, not good to be here, but we have to be here. Right on. So can you tell me when did this start this morning? Uh, what happened? Uh, this actually started just after 7 this morning. Shift change pretty much is when things started happening. Last Friday, the government, who we had an, arran had an arrangement with to suspend bargaining because of COVID until March the 31st, 
turned around on Friday afternoon when they always seem to do things and started looking for contractors for replacing our personnel. So we were going, I'm going like, well, that's like stabbing us in the back. One minute they're saying, good job, kudos, thanks for being part of the team and being, you know, AHS staff and being caring. And then they turn around and do that. So it was a, there's a sense of betrayal from... They've been betraying us, in my opinion, for a while. This was just, in my opinion, it's a final slap in the face going, they're not going to change. They're just going to keep pushing us. Let them give us a bad deal. Are we going to fight for our dignity? And respect? Yes, brothers and sisters, we're going to fight and fight and fight. But we must remain strong until shift change. And we have to encourage our brothers and sisters to join us on the line. So if you know people who work evening shift, reach out to them, make sure that they are coming here. Okay? And then stay as long as you can. If you're able to stay all night long, stay with me. Hello, the President, keep you all burnt up. We're here today because you've taken this brave step and you're standing up against Jason Kane and UCP and you're standing up for public health care and we're going to stand with you. I know how tough this battle is. But we are going to win it because we're on the side of right. You guys have been heroic throughout this pandemic. You've stayed here. You've worked as hard as you can in incredibly tough conditions. But now you need some help. And you need, to, and you need the government to know that now is not the time to lay people off and make cuts. And we in the union movement are going to stay with you. We're happy to be here today. We'll be here every day that you are here. I promise you, we'll stand strong with you and we will win this fight. Well done, sisters and brothers, and we will be your crew. Because we are being bullied, brothers and sisters. We are tired of being pushed around by a government who does not care about the quality of services provided to Alberta. A government who does not care about the people providing those services. A government who does not care about how popular they are. These decisions are being made by the top officials of our government. The people of Alberta who provide these services deserve better. You deserve better. You deserve to be respected as the frontline workers that you are. During a pandemic, when everyone is tired and working short, the government is following through with their plans to privatize healthcare services. They want to continue down a path that will Americanize our healthcare system, a system where only the rich can receive the treatments that they need in a timely manner, where profits are put before care, they tell us that there is no need to worry because everyone who's laid off will be rehired by contractors. But what about your wages? What about your benefits? What about your quality of life, brothers and sisters? Things like your vacation time will be lost. No sick time for workers who are at the highest risk of becoming ill. Brothers and sisters, there's more to this than just our job. This is our dignity. The government says they are not cutting for frontline services. Well, I disagree because on the front line of healthcare, alongside the nurses and doctors, are thousands of general support service members diligently working to keep the wheels of healthcare turning. You are frontline workers. Solidarity. Now we can expect again to be pressured to return to work, and we must expect that the government will attempt to bully us with legislation, as they already have. They will file injunctions. They will threaten to fire us. Growing up as a boy, I was bullied, and running from a bully is never the answer. I can tell you that. 
We must stand together in solidarity to ensure that our voices are heard, to ensure that our healthcare system that we all depend on remains intact and protected from the greed of the few. None of us go back in unless we all go back in. None of us go back in unless we all go back in. Right, brothers and sisters? Yeah. We must stand together. We must remain strong. Reach out to your coworkers. Let them know. Evening shift, let them know. They come here. They join us here on the line. Amen, brothers and sisters. Stay strong. Stay strong. The folks that are walking the line today, what kinds of jobs do they have inside the hospital? Okay, we have a variety of people here today. You have porters, and we that's what I do. We do patient transport, equipment transport, blood transport. Uh, we have out here housekeeping, who cleans the ORs, who cleans the rooms. We have surgical processors who clean and sterilize the equipments for the surgeries, which is a crucial job. We have people here from the kitchens, from food services, who have to have educations in dietary and what the patients are allowed to eat and restrictions and all the stuff that goes along with that. We have support here from other unions. I've seen some members from the nurses, from the lab technicians, HASAA. I've seen some others as well. Uh, a lot of solidarity from a lot of different groups. What does the government plan to do to people's jobs? Like, what are the grievances? They here? want to basically privatize, contract out pretty well everything, laundry, food services, and uh, housekeeping at present. They've, I've heard talk about others that they are considering, uh, such as, I believe, uh, clerical. Um, and nobody's safe, first of all. Uh, everyone's, they're, they're looking for finances, money because they spent too much money on other projects they had that haven't come true, haven't paid off, and now they want us to pay for it. They want the patients to pay for it. They want Albertans to pay for it. The Alberta Labor Relations Board issued a ruling late in the evening of Monday, October 26th, ordering workers back to work. Local chairs of AUP voted to end the Wildcat strike the night of October 26, 2020 the next morning picket lines were down. So then if you fast forward a couple days on Wednesday, October 28th, the Alberta Federation of Labor had an announcement and press conference. Here's some of what was said. In a nutshell, we've come to the conclusion that we have no choice but to fight Jason Kenney. And we're asking all Albertans to join us. The Premier wants to frame opposition to his government as a battle between the UCP uh, and so-called union bosses and union NDP surrogates. But the truth is that the UCP has picked fights with an unprecedented number of Alberta groups and individual Albertans, regardless of their political stripe. They've also launched an attack on many things that Albertans hold dear. So it's not Kenny against unions, it's Kenny against, or, or Kenny against the NDP. Instead, it's Kenny against healthcare, Kenny against education. Kenny against parks, Aish, and the environment. And it's even Kenny against a responsible response to COVID. In short, the Kenny government has launched a war on Alberta. And we think it's time for Albertans, who also think that he's launched this war, to start preparing themselves to fight back. 
The healthcare workers who walked off the job on Monday showed us what's possible. They showed us that citizens working together can stand up, speak out, and push back. But the end of the wildcat also showed us that isolated groups of workers can't do it alone. The fight back has to be bigger, and it has to be sustained. That's why we're here today. We're asking all Albertans to join us in building towards something bigger. To get the ball rolling this morning, we're launching what we call the Stand Up to Kenny campaign. Through this campaign, we're asking all Albertans, union and non-union, working or not, to do three things. First, we're asking people to visit our campaign website at www.standuptokenny.ca and take the I'm ready to stand up to Kenny pledge. By taking the pledge, people will be indicating that they're ready to take part in province-wide protest actions. These protest actions will include rallies, demonstrations, both in person and online, and they may include work-related protests like work, workplace strikes and even a province-wide general strike. Second, once enough Albertans have taken the pledge and joined the campaign, we'll see who's with us, then we'll create a coordinating committee of all of our allies. That committee will finalize a list of demands, and then we'll demand that the Kenny government sit down and negotiate with us to address our concerns. Third, if the government doesn't respond to our concerns, we'll begin a series of virtual, regional, and province-wide protests that could include work stoppages. These actions will be separate from individual contract-related actions organized by individual public sector and private sector unions in the context of their contract negotiations, but they will be mutually supportive and they may coincide. So, Roberta, what do we think of this plan? Well, Joel, I, I appreciate that there's a plan. That's, that's exciting. It, it's, it's good that we, we have a plan and um, that, that labor organizations are, are now starting to do something. Um, so I have visited the website and, and taken the pledge to see what, what this might look like and, and so that they, I guess, can count that there's support for, for these ideas around. Um, so, there's, so there's that start. What are you thinking about it? Well, what strikes me is that there's a lot of, haha, strikes me, ha, uh, is that there's a lot of um, barriers between now and then whatever action may be taken in the future. So the initially, what people are supposed to do is visit the website, take the pledge, indicating their readiness to take action. Once enough, Albertans have joined the campaign. How many Albertans is enough? We don't know. Uh, a coordinating committee with allies will be formed by the AFL, and that committee will formulate a list of demands. Uh, and then if the government doesn't respond to those concerns, they'll begin organizing province-wide protests. So to me, there's quite a like timeline to doing anything. The timeline is also not very well defined. Like how many people do you need to sign up to this newsletter before you decide to do the next thing? Do you need a committee to formulate demands? We already know kind of what needs to happen. You need to stop all these ridiculous cuts. You need to stop like bailing out pipelines and you need to stop huge giveaways to the corporate sector while you're making massive cuts to the public services. You, I don't need a committee to come up with that, right? A hundred percent. And I also wonder, I mean, it's, it's, October of 2020, when this um, this news conference happens and this list um, is is started and and these three steps are are initiated, um, Jason Kenney was elected leader of the PC party in 2017, and we're now in 2020, um, and it concerns me somewhat that the labor organizations are only just now initiating these 
three steps that I feel like at least since when Kenny was elected in 2019, they should have been working on these strategies, don't you think? But even before that, when he was elected leader of the PCs, and we knew these sort of strategies were coming. So I I agree with you that it's concerning that it's such a long time from launching a website to the end of this, but also why are they just starting it now? I mean, cynically, they might be trying to time it with uh, an electoral campaign that would happen in, I guess, 2023, um, if if they're this slow to launch things, uh, which is the very cynical kind of take. Well, but I think it, it makes sense with this idea of trying to collect people's names. You know, when you try and create lists of supporters, there's usually some sort of ask coming as part of that. And maybe the ask is donations to political campaigns or an election strategy but we can't wait till 2023 like i'm sorry but we can't we couldn't even wait till 2020 this should have been happening right when kenny was elected so this is concerning yeah another concern i have is that the list building that they're doing with this kind of website and a sign up thing is targeting the like alberta public very generally like at large um and trying to get feedback from them and i mean there's nothing wrong with that but the reason that labor organizing actually has power is because it talks about workers, you know, usually concentrated at a particular site at a particular time, disrupting production at that particular place. Uh, and that's how they are able to, like, make demands and leverage things is because they are able to actually interrupt the status quo, interrupt how capitalism works on a day-to-day basis by taking action. When you have a strategy that's so diffuse, like trying to just get people interested across Alberta. It, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's it's hard to reconcentrate that into an actual action because these people work in all different places. They have very different lives. Well, and I think it's it, it's indicative of a larger shift that's happened in, in politics, especially left-wing politics, where there's been a real abandonment of community organizing and of door knocking, although during a pandemic, I understand we can't knock on doors, but sort of grassroots organizing that people don't suddenly understand union issues or um, have a perspective on how we could structure our society differently when they're inundated all day, every day by consistent neoliberal messaging. And I think this kind of strategy of just getting people to sign up for a list assumes people have already done the work to to learn about these issues and, and to develop a perspective instead of labor organizations doing the hard work of teaching people and educating them and organizing them on the ground day to day. A list is, I feel, and I, I mean, I hate to say this about my labor colleagues, but I feel like it's lazy. It's, it's asking people to do the legwork ahead of time and you'll just send them some information as you put it together. You know, list building is a part of any kind of um, political outreach and organizing as a very sort of like basic first step. And so, again, I don't want to like demonize it as a completely as just a, a, a tactic, uh, but it, it's not really like a high engagement activity, right? Yeah. And should have been done two, three years ago. <laughs> Another thing that really struck me about this kind of press conference that happened two days after the Wildcat strike, it kind of displayed a lack of organizing that sh- probably should have happened earlier. As you said, let's say in the future, there's 51 sites at 35 cities and towns across Alberta that go on strike. Probably the most useful thing that uh, an organization like the AFL could do is have done some strike readiness prep beforehand so that they can actually join the picket lines when that happens. Um, (laughs) Expressing solidarity and support for people on pickets is great and nice, and I'm not knocking it. But 
it would be, you know, better and more effective if you could just like muster people to join those picket lines and maybe even have like sympathy strikes uh, or refusing to cross lines uh, that go on with that strike that is ongoing. You, like you have to be able to spring into action at a, like an opportune moment. And it feels like the legwork to do the organizing beforehand to be able to be ready for that just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I think this shows one of the the weaknesses of, of labor organizing in Alberta and Canada and elsewhere. And again, not to criticize my labor colleagues, they have a lot of um, limitations on what they can do. But there is a real limitation on how ready the unions are to, to move quickly. Um, and as I think this strike showed us, um, when workers are, are ready to go, and when they've reached their limit of what they can put up with at their work site, things happen quickly. Um, and labor unions need to be able to respond very quickly in uh, right at that moment to when the workers um, are ready to go. And so, um, you know, it, it sort of shocks me that when unions don't have ready on the go a, a phone tree or some sort of communication uh, technique that they can use to instantly get a hold of their members and tell them to get down to a line, um, you know, some of them it was going to take a day or two to, to mobilize their workers, even if they were going to do it. And by that point, the the pickets had broken. And so I think it shows us how fast these issues move and how quickly we need to respond and that our large labor organizations should be ready to go on the dime. Like just when it happens, they should be ready to go. And when these things happen, they escalate very, very quickly. Like as we saw, you know, it quickly got to a point on Monday, the 26th, where workers had a choice of continuing to strike. Workers basically had to deal with going against the labor board's ruling and potentially seeing things escalate from a legal point of view. These are not workers with huge salaries. Like they're really putting themselves on the line, trying to like stand up for what they believe in and and stand up for themselves. And they can't really, you know, it's very difficult for them to do it alone without support from other workers. Well, and I think this is, this is one of the the frustrating parts about this strike action that happened and the the lack of response or the the particular response of, of some of the large union organizations is that the people who went on strike on, on the 26th of October are the frontline workers who are, um, at the bottom of the pile of, of our um, labor union structure. And they are the people who really have nothing left to lose, that um, they they really have to go to the lines or it's over. I mean, there were 11,000 people getting laid off. And so when they had no choice, they went to the lines. But I think what this shows is that some of the other unions are somewhat complacent um, and have kind of reached a point where um, they aren't ready to do the kind of work necessary to to defend those workers who really need it. Um, and it really is on the shoulders, I think, of the, the other unions um, to, to support the people on the front lines who really are at the end of, of what they have and really do have nothing left to lose. And I wonder, you know, if, if AFL or uh, the nurses or others had really mobilized their people on that Monday afternoon and gotten everybody out, maybe the, the vote would have gone differently because the support would have been clear. Um, and who knows what the situation would be in at this point. And I mean, the Labor Relations Board was always going to rule that it was an illegal strike. Most strike actions are illegal um, because the only effective things are strikes and they like the society will make them illegal if they work well. And so, um, you know, the, we're going to have to do illegal strikes at some point. Waiting for legal action is is ridiculous. And so, um, you know, I think that the leadership needs to have the backs of these um, workers who are on the front lines and really feeling the pinch in a way um, others seem to not be. Another thing that I think is worth considering for like affiliated unions is what is your limit? Like what's the boundary 
what is the action that this government needs to take that where it's suddenly unacceptable what they're doing and you're going to be suddenly sprung into action? Is it laying off 11,000 workers and privatizing their jobs? Is it, you know, basically healthcare cuts during a pandemic? Is it going to war on doctors? Like what? I'm just curious, like, what's that final boundary or that gets you past the red line to make you actually like take action? Uh, Because to me, it seems like this government is doing everything possible to like antagonize uh, working people in this province. And I don't see a like commensurate response at this point. Well, and it it doesn't seem to me that the usual strategy in this province of of being in the boardrooms and um, being at the table to talk about issues with the, the conservatives who are in power, it doesn't seem to me to be anywhere near an option at this point. Not that it ever was, and it's a terrible political strategy anyway, but in this province, it's how people work. And maybe it's hard for some of these leaders to, to change that mentality. But this is a government that has been clear from the beginning that they are gutting our public sector and that they have an agenda. It's not incompetence. It's not stupidity. This is the plan. Um, And so unions need to be ready to fight. And I think, you know, from my perspective, the the boundary was broken long, long ago um, when they started tearing up contracts and um, passing legislation to limit workers' rights. Um, But really, I think you asked the good question like where is just as the question is how many people need to be on a list before we move to the next step also uh you know when are we going to actually do this do we what's going to be bad enough because uh for most of the albertans i know and talk to and see in the world it's already far too much and and something needs to happen. And honestly, I, I think there's a lot of support for for the strikes and for the workers. And I think, um, you know, I think if there'd been a couple more days of picket lines, I think we would have seen a lot of that. I think people were ready to fight. Um, you know, I know a lot of people who were excited that, wow, somebody's finally fighting back and let's do it. And it's so sad that we left it to, you know, the most vulnerable workers to, to be the ones to inspire us to do it. But there was a lot of excitement and, and energy there. And, um, you know, the fact that they they could break so easily because they just didn't have the support of the leadership um, really, I think, deflated what could have turned into something really possible. Another thing that I found a bit odd was both, I think, Gil McGowan and the other union leaders that spoke used the language of Trump is bad, Republicans are bad and Kenny is trying to act like Trump or a Republican governor or bring in American style healthcare. There are, again, there are understandable reasons why someone might resort to making that link between what Kenny is doing and Republicans or Trump or Americans. But to me, it strikes me as like very lazy political education because most people you're relying on like a whole bed of knowledge about American politics that people are going to automatically translate to their Canadian context. And there might be something to the argument that like people pay a lot of attention to American politics, but you need to explain people's context to them in in a different frame. Like the to rely on like people watching Fox News and CNN and then making those links to their current context seems very torturous to me. Like it, it seems like a very roundabout way to try to get people to understand themselves and the situation they're in. Again, it's just lazy to say like Trump, orange man bad. Kenny is like orange man, therefore Kenny bad. You're not really doing uh, the kind of political education that people need 
to be equipped with in order to respond to their situation here and now. Absolutely. And I mean, the Canadian context, the Alberta context is so different from the American context in so many different ways that if we frame this as, you know, Kenny is just like Trump, what that means is that we have to frame the fight against Kenny as the same as the fight against Trump. And that those two fights are going to be very, very different because of the different contexts within which we all live. If we're going to try and defeat Kenny and the unions in Alberta are going to organize properly and effectively to, to defeat these horrible policies, we need to understand our context and where Kenny is coming from and where his power is coming from and how our system works in the way to be able to overturn that. Trump has like relatively high approval ratings in Alberta. It's not something I like to brag about or whatever, but uh, Ipsos put out some polling recently, four in 10, 39% agree. 13% strongly, 26% somewhat, that more Trump would be a good thing. So to have 39% of Albertans generally agreeing with Trump uh, really limits your options when it comes to using this Trump orange man bad frame to characterize what Kenny is doing. You're basically excluding 40% of your potential population right off the bat, use it with that kind of like lazy metaphor. What that means is that if your labor organizations and you're uh, comparing Kenny to Trump, you're actually telling those 40% that they should support Kenny. When in fact, I think if we properly politically educated people in the province and, and really helped explain to them why these issues matter to them and that a different way of structuring our society is possible, many of those people might actually change their minds. So that's it. That's our strike update from Team Advantage, at least for now. Uh, hopefully we have much more reporting to do on this matter. But for the moment, I hope our listeners found our brief analysis of what happened on October 26th and afterwards useful and stay safe out there. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can hear a longer version of this episode and many more on albertaadvantagepod.com. So long, Calgary. Calgary.